I'm going to be reading The Crook in the Lot, a book by Puritan Thomas Watson, a book which I hope will help all of us who listen to it to understand more clearly how God deals with us in our own lives as Christians, especially when the pathway is difficult and um, there are many trials and problems that we have to face. And I believe that uh, Thomas Watson's book will be a blessing and an encouragement to us to uh, remain faithful to the Lord and to understand his ways and to give thanks to him for the uh, great mercies that he has shown us. So I'm reading The Crook in the Lot by Thomas Watson. And the first episode, or the first chapter that I'm reading, I put it, I'll be putting it into chapters um, just for the sake of time because it's, uh, it's going to take more than one episode, um, begins with a quote from Ecclesiastes 7 verse 13. And Ecclesiastes 13, 7 verse 13 reads, Consider the work of God, for who can make that straight which he has made crooked? Father, I pray that you'd help us with this book. Thank you that, that although written some time ago now, it's a blessing to us and an opportunity for us to learn more about you from your word and from the exposition of your word. And also, Lord, to desire you more, to desire to be filled with your spirit, to desire to stand up for you in this generation in which we live, this benighted land in which we live lord to stand up and to be the light of the world as the lord jesus christ commanded us so father my prayer is that your blessing would be on the reading of this book so that it would be a blessing both to the reader and to everyone else who listens to it uh, and that we might be drawn closer to you as a result and these things i ask and pray in jesus precious name amen So I'll read Ecclesiastes 7.13 again. Consider the work of God, for who can make that straight which he has made crooked? A just view of afflicting incidents is altogether necessary to a Christian deportment under them, and that view is to be obtained only by faith, not by sense, for it is the light of the world alone that represents them justly, discovering in them the work of God and consequently designs becoming the divine perfections when they are perceived by the eye of faith and duly considered we have a just view of afflicting incidents fitted to quell the turbulent motions of corrupt affections under dismal outward appearances it is under this view that solomon in the preceding part of this chapter advances several paradoxes which are surprising determinations in favor of certain things that to the eye of sense, looking gloomy and hideous, and therefore generally reputed previous and shocking, he pronounces the day of one's death to be better than the day of his birth, namely the day of the death of one who, having become the friend of God through faith, has led a life to the honour of God and service of his generation, and in this way raised to himself the good and savvy name better than the precious ointment. In like manner he pronounces the house of mourning to be preferable to the house of feasting, sorrow to laughter, 
and a wise man's rebuke to a fool's song. As for that, even though the latter are indeed the more pleasant, yet the former are the more profitable. And observing with concern how men are in hazard, not only from the world's frowns and ill usage, oppression making a wise man mad, but also from its smiles and caresses, a gift destroying the heart, therefore since whatever way it goes there is danger, he pronounces the end of every worldly thing better than the beginning of it, and from the whole he justly infers that it is better to be humble and patient than proud and impatient under afflicting dispensation, since in the former case we wisely submit to what is really best, in the latter we fight against it, and he dissuades from being angry with our lot because of the adversity found in it. He cautions against making odious comparisons of former and present times, in that point insinuating undue reflections on the providence of God and against that querulous and fretful disposition. He first prescribes a general remedy, namely holy wisdom, as that which enables us to make the best of everything and even gives life in killing circumstances. And then a particular remedy consisting in a due (coughs) application of that wisdom towards taking a just view of the case. Consider the work of God, for who can make that straight which he has made crooked? In which words are proposed, one, the remedy itself, two, the suitableness of it. One, the remedy itself is a wise eyeing of the hand of God in all we find to bear hard on us, consider the work of God. Namely, in the crooked, rough and disagreeable parts of your lot, the crosses you find in it, you see very well the cross itself. Yea, you turn it over and over in your mind and leisurely view it on all sides. You look to this and the other second cause of it, and so you are in a foam and a fret. But would you be quieted and satisfied in the matter? Lift up your eyes towards heaven, see the doing of God in it, the operation of his hand. Look at that and consider it well. I, the first cause of the crook in your lot. Behold how it is the work of God, his doing. Two, such a view of the crook in our lot is very suitable to still improper risings of heart and quiet us under them. For who can make that straight which God has made crooked? As to the crook in your lot, God has made it and it must continue while he will have it so. Should you ply your utmost force to even it or make it straight, your attempt will be vain. It will not change for all you can do. Only he who made it can mend it or make it straight. This consideration, this view of the matter, is a proper means at once to silence and to satisfy men, and so bring them to a dutiful submission to their maker and governor under the crook in their lot. Now we take up the purpose of the text under these three heads. One, whatever crook there is in our lot, it is of God's making. Two, what God sees fit to mar, no one will be able to mend in his lot. Three, the considering of the crook in the lot as the work of God or of his making 
is a proper means to bring us to Christian deportment under it. 1. Whatever crook there is in our lot, it is of God's making. Here two things are to be considered, namely the crook itself and God's making of it. As to the crook itself, the crook in the lot, for the better understanding of it, these few things that follow are premised. First, there is a certain train or course of events by the providence of God falling to every one of us during our life in this world. And that is our lot, as being allotted to us by the sovereign God, our creator and governor, in whose hand our breath is and whose are all our ways. This train of events is widely different to different persons, according to the will and pleasure of the sovereign, manage, who orders men's condition in the world in a great variety, some moving in a higher, some in a lower sphere. Second, in that train or course of events, some fall out, cross to us, and against the grain, and these make the crook in our lot. That's some fall out, I think. What he's saying is that uh, within um, our lives, so there are some things which, which um, well, let's say put a spanner in the works, or a crook in our lot. While we are here, there will be cross events as well as agreeable ones in our lot and condition. Sometimes things are softly and agreeably gliding on, but by and by there is some incident which alters that course, grates us and pains us, as when we have made a wrong step, we begin to limp. Third, everybody's lot in this world has some crook in it. Complainers are apt to make odious comparisons. They look about and take a distant view of the condition of others, can discern nothing in it but what is straight, and just to one's wish, so they pronounce their neighbour's lot wholly straight. But that is a false verdict. There is no perfection here, no lot of heaven without a crook. For as to all the works that are done under the sun, behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. That which is crooked cannot be made straight. Who would have thought but that? Haman's lot was very straight, while his family was in a flourishing condition, and he, prosp he prospering in riches and honour, being Prime Minister of State in the Persian court. You can read about that in the book of Esther. And standing high in the king's favour. Yet there was, at the saline time, a crook in his lot which so galled him that all this availed him nothing. Everyone feels for himself when he is pinched though others do not perceive it. Nobody's lot in this world is wholly crooked. There are always some straight and even parts in it. Indeed, when men's passions, having gotten up, have cast a mist over their minds, they are ready to say, all is wrong with them, nothing right. But though in hell that tale is and ever will be true, yet it is never true in this world. For there indeed there is not a drop of comfort allowed, but here it always holds good that it is of the Lord's mercies we are not consumed. Amen. Fourth, the crook in the lot came into the world by sin. It is owing to the fall. By one man sin entered into the world and death by sin. Under which death the crook in the lot is comprehended, as a state of comfort or prosperity is, in scripture style, expressed by living, Sin so barred the hearts, bowed the hearts and the minds of men that they became crooked in respect of the holy law 
and godly, God justly so bowed their lot that it became crooked too. And this crook in our lot inseparably, inseparably follows our sinful condition till dropping this body of sin and death we get within heaven's gates. These being premised, a crook in the lot speaks in general two things. One, adversity. Two, continuance. Accordingly, it makes the day of adversity opposed in the day of prosperity, in the verse immediately following the text. The crook in the lot is first someone or other piece of adversity. The prosperous part of one's lot, which goes forward according to one's wish, is the straight and even part of it. The adverse part going a contrary way is the crooked part of it. God has intermixed these two in men's condition in this world, that as there is some prosperity in it, making the straight line, so there is also some adversity making the crooked. This mixture has place not only in the lot of saints, who are told that in the world they shall have tribulation, but even in the lot of all as already observed. Secondly, it is adversity of some continuance. We do not reckon it a crooked thing, which so forcibly bent and bowed together, yet presently recovers its former straightness. These are twinges of the rod of adversity, which passed like a stitch on one's side, all is immediately set to rights again. One's lot may be suddenly overclouded, and the cloud vanish before he is aware. But under the crook, one having leisure to find his smart is in some concern to get the crook made straight. So the crook in the lot is adversity, continued for a shorter or longer time. Now there is a threefold crook in the lot incident to the children of men. One, one made by a cross dispensation, which, however, in itself passing, it has lasting effects. Such a crook did Herod's cruelty make in the lot of the mothers in Bethlehem, who by the murderers were left weeping for their slain children and would not be comforted because they were not. A slip of the foot may soon be made, which will make a man go limping ever after. As the fishes are taken in an evil net, so are the sons of men snared in an evil time. A thing may fall out in a moment under which the party shall go halting to the grave. Two, there is a crook made by a train of cross dispensation, whether of the same or different kinds, following hard on one another and leaving lasting effects behind them. Thus in the case of Job, while one messenger of evil tidings was yet speaking, another came, cross events coming on one on the neck of another, deep calling to deep, making a sore crook. In that case, the part is like one who, recovering his sliding foot from one unfirm piece of ground, sets it on another equally unfirm, which immediately gives way under him too. Or like one who, travelling in an unknown mountainous track, after having with difficulty made it his way over one mountain, is expected to see the plain country, but instead there comes in view, time after time, a new mountain to be passed. This crook is Asaph's lot, nearly to have made him give up all his religion until he went into the sanctuary, where this mystery of providence was unriddled to him. 
Solomon observes that there are just men to whom it happens according to the work of the wicked, providence taking a run against them as if they were to be run down for good and all. Whoever they are to whose life in no part of it affords them experience of this, surely Joseph missed not of it in his young days, nor Jacob in his middle days, nor Peter in his old days, nor our Saviour all his days. 3. There is a crook made by one cross dispensation, with lasting effects of it coming in the room of another removed. This crook straightened, there is another made in its place, and so there is still a crook. Lack of children had long been the crook in Rachel's lot. That was at length made even to her mind. But then she got another in its stead. <coughs> Excuse me. Hard labour in travailing to bring forth. This world is a wilderness in which may, we may indeed get our station changed, but the move will be out of one wilderness to another. When one, one part of the lot is made even, quickly some other part of it will be crooked. More particularly, the crook in the lot has in it four things of the nature of that which is crooked. One, disagreeableness. A crooked thing is wayward, and being laid to a rule answers it not, but declines from it. There is not in anybody's lot any such thing as a crook in respect of the will and purposes of God. Take the most harsh and dismal dispensation in one's lot, and lay it to the eternal decree made in the depth of infinite wisdom before the world began, and it will answer in exactly it exactly with the, without the least deviation, all things being worked after the counsel of his will. Lay it to the providential will of God in the government of the world, and there is a perfect harmony. If Paul is to be bound at Jerusalem and delivered into the hands of the Gentiles, it is the will of the Lord it should be so. Therefore the greatest crook of the lot on earth is straight in heaven straight in heaven. There is no disagreeableness in it there, but in every person's lot there is a crook in respect of their mind and natural inclination. The adverse dispensation lies crossed to that rule and will by no means answer it nor harmonise with it. When divine providence lays the one to the other there is a manifest disagreeableness. The man's will goes one way and the dispensation Another way, the will bends upwards and cross events press down, so they are contrary, and there and only there lies the crook. It is this disagreeableness which makes the crook in the lot fit matter of trial and exercise to us in this our state of probation, in which if you would approve yourself to God, walking by faith not by sight, you must quiet yourself in the will and purpose of God, and not insist that it should be according to your mind. 2. Unsightliness. Crooked things are unpleasant to the, la to the eye, and no crook in the lot seems to be joyous but grievous, making an unsightly appearance. Therefore men need to beware of giving way to their thoughts, to dwell on the crook in their lot, and of keeping it too much in view. David shows a hurtful experience of his in that kind. While I was musing, the fire burned. 
Jacob acted a wiser part, called his youngest son Benjamin, the son of the right hand, whom the dying mother had named Benoni, the son of my sorrow. By this means, providing that the crook in his lot should not be set afresh in his view on every occasion of mentioning the name of his son. Indeed, a Christian may safely take a steady and leisurely view of the crook in his lot in the light of the Holy Word, which represents it as the discipline of the covenant. So faith will discover a hidden sightliness in it, under a very unsightly outward appearance, perceiving the suitableness of it to the infinite goodness, love and wisdom of God, and to the real and most valuable interests of the party, by which means one comes to take pleasure, and that a most refined, that a most refined pleasure in distress. But whatever the crook in the lot is to the eye of faith, it is not all pleasant to the eye of sense. 3. Unfitness for motion. Solomon observes, the cause of the uneasy and ungraceful walking of the lame, the legs of the lame are not equal, this uneasiness they find who are exercised about the crook in their lot. A high spirit and a low adverse lot makes great difficulty in the Christian walk. <clears throat> there is nothing that gives temptation more easy access than the crook in the lot. Nothing more apt to occasion out-of-the-way steps. Therefore, says the Apostle, make straight paths for your feet, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way. They who are labouring under it are to be pitied, then, and not to be rigidly censored, though they are rare persons who learn this lesson till taught by their own experience. It is long since Job made an observation in this case, which holds good to this day. He that is ready to slip with his feet is as a lamp despised in the thought of him that is at ease. 4. Aptness to catch hold and entangle like hooks, fish hooks. The crook in the lot does so very readily make impression to be ruffling and fretting one's spirit, irritating corruption, that Satan fails not to make diligent use of it for these dangerous purposes, which point once gained by the tempter, the tempted, before he is aware, finds himself entangled as in a thicket, out of which he does not know how to extricate himself. In that temptation, it often proves, like a crooked stick troubling a standing pool, it often proves like a crooked stick troubling a standing pool, which not only raises up the mud all over, but brings up from the bottom some very ugly thing. Thus it brought up a spice of blasphemy, and atheism, in Asaph's case, Verily I have cleansed my heart in vain, and washed my hands in innocence, as if he had said there is nothing at all in religion. It is a vain and empty thing that profits nothing. I was a fool to have been in care about purity and holiness, whether of heart or life. Ah, is this the pious Asaph? How has he turned so quite unlike himself? But the crook in the lot is a handle by which the tempter <coughs> sorry, makes surprising discoveries of latent corruption even in the best. This is the nature of the crook in the lot. 
Let us now observe what part of the lot it falls in. Three conclusions may be established upon this head. First, it may fall in any part of the lot. There is no exempted one in the, in the case. For sin being found in every part, the crook may take place in any part. Being all as an unclean thing, we fade as a leaf. The mainstream of sin which the crook readily follows run in very, runs in very different channels in the case of different persons. And in regard of the various dispositions of the minds of men, that will prove a sinking weight to one, which another would go very lightly under. Secondly, it may at once fall into many parts of the lot, the Lord calling as in a solemn day one's terrors round about. Sometimes God makes one notable crook in a man's lot, but its name may be Gad, being but the forerunner of a troop which comes. Then the crooks are multiplied, so that the party is made to halt on each side. While one stream let in from one quarter is running full against him, another is let in on him from another quarter, till in the end the waters break in on every hand. Thirdly, it often falls in the tender part, I mean that part of the lot in which one is least able to bear it, or at least thinks he is so. It was not an enemy that reproached me that I could have borne it, but it was you, a man my equal, my guide, and my acquaintance. If there is in any one, if there is any one part of the lot which of all others one is disposed to nestle in, the thorn will readily be laid there, especially if he belongs to God in that thing in which he is least of all able to be touched, he will be sure to be pressed. There the trial will be taken of him. There is the grand competition with Christ. I take from them the desires of their eyes, and that upon which they set their minds. Since the crook in the lot is the special trial, appointed for every one, it is altogether reasonable and becoming the wisdom of God that it fall on that which of a fall on that which of, a, of things most rivals him. But more particularly, the crook may be observed to fall in these four parts of the lot. First, in the natural part, affecting persons considered as of the make allotted for them by the great God that formed things, all things. The parents of mankind, Adam and Eve, were formed together, sound and entire, without the least blemish, whether in soul or body. <clears throat> but in the formation of their prosperity, there often appears a notable variation from the original. Bodily defects, superfluities, deformities, infirmities, natural or accidental, make the crook in the lot of some. They have something unsightly or grievous about them. Crooks of this kind, more or less observable, are very common and ordinary, and the best are not exempted from them, and it is purely owing to sovereign pleasure they are not more numerous. Tender eyes made the crook in the lot of Leah. Rachel's beauty was balanced with the barrenness, the crook of her lot. Paul, the great apostle of the Gentiles, was, it should seem, no personable man, but a mean outward appearance, for which fools, fools were apt to condemn him. Timothy was a wee of a weak and sickly frame, and there is a yet far more considerable crook, crook in the lot of the lame, 
the blind, the deaf and the dumb. Some are weak to a degree in their intellects, and there is the crook in the lot of several bright souls to be overcast with clouds, notably bemisted and darkened from the crazy bodies they are lodged in. An eminent instance of which we have in the grave, wise and penitent Job, going mourning without the sun, yea, standing up and crying in the congregation. Secondly, it may fall in the honorary past. There is an honour due to all men, the small as well as the great, and that upon the ground of the orig original constitution of human nature, as it was framed in the image of God, but in the sovereign disposal of holy providence, the crook in the lot of some fans here, they are neglected and slighted, I should say, of some fans here. We're not talking about fans, we're talking about um, fanning out here, I think. So the crook in the lot of some fans here. They are neglected and slighted. Their credit is still kept low. They go through the world under a cloud, being put into an ill name, their reputation sunk. This sometimes is the natural consequence of their own foolish and sinful conduct, as in the case of Dinah, who by her gadding abroad to satisfy her youthful curiosity, regardless of, and therefore not waiting for, a providential call, brought a lasting stain on her honour. But where the Lord intends a crook of this kind in one's lot, innocence will not be able to ward it off in an ill-natured world, Neither will true merit be able to make head against it, to make one's lot stand straight in that part. Thus David represents his case. <clears throat> they that saw me without fled from me. I am forgotten as a dead man out of mind. I am like a broken vessel, for I have heard the slander of many. Thirdly, it may fall in the vocational part. Whatever is a man's calling or station in the world, be it sacred or civil, the crook in their lot may take its place in it. Isaiah was an eminent prophet, but most unsuccessful, in the sense that um, he was to preach to um, a people whose ears were closed. They're still sent by God. Jeremiah met with such a train of discouragements and ill usage in the exercise of his sacred function that he was very near giving it up, saying, <clears throat> I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. The psalmist observes this crook often to be made in the lot of some men very industrious in their civil business, who sow in the fields, and at times God blesses them and does not allow their cattle to decrease, but again they are minished and brought low through oppression, affliction, and sorrow. Such a crook was made in Job's lot after he had long stood even. Some managed their employments with all care and diligence, the husbandman carefully labouring in his ground, the sheepmaster diligent to know the state of his flocks and looking well to his herds, the tradesman early and late at his business, the merchant diligently plying his watching and falling in with the most fair and promising opportunities. But there is such a crook in that part of their lot, as all they are able to do can by no means make even. For why? The most proper means used for compassing an end are insignificant without a word of divine appointment commanding their success. 
Who is he that says, and it comes to pass, when the Lord does not command it? People, <clears throat> people ply their businesses with skill and industry, but the wind turns in their face. Providence crosses their enterprises, disconcerts their measures, frustrates their hopes and expectations, renders their endeavours unsuccessful, and so puts and keeps them still in straitened circumstances. So the race is not to the swift, nor the battle to the strong, neither yet bred to the wise. Providence, interposing, crooks the measures which human prudence and industry had laid straight towards the respective ends. So the swift lose the race, and the strong the battle, and the wise miss of bread, while in the meantime someone of other providential incident, supplying the defect of human wisdom, conduct and ability, the slow gain the race and carry the prize, the weak win the battle and enrich themselves with the spoil, and bread falls into the lap of the fool. Lastly, it may fall in the relational part, relations are the joints of society, and there the crook in the lot may take place, one's smartest pain being often felt in these joints. They are in their nature the springs of man's comfort, yet they often turn the greatest bitterness to him. Sometimes this crook is occasioned by the loss of relation. Thus a crook was made in the lot of Jacob by means of the death of Rachel, his beloved wife, and the loss of Joseph, his son and darling, which had liked to have made him go halting to the grave. Job laments this crook in his lot. You have made desolate all my company, meaning his dear children, every one of whom he had laid in the grave, not so much as one son or daughter left him. Again, sometimes it is made through the afflicting hand of God lying heavy on them, which in virtue of their relation recoils on the party as is feelingly expressed by that believing woman. Have mercy on me, O Lord, my daughter is grievously vexed. Ephraim felt the smart of family afflictions when he called his son's name Beriah because it went evil with his house. Since all is not only vanity but vexation of spirit, it can hardly miss but the more of these springs of comfort are open to a man he must at one time or other find he has but the more sources of sorrows to gush out and spring in on him, the sorrow always proportioned to the comfort found in them or expected from them. And finally the crook is sometimes made here by, thy, by their proving uncomfortable through the disagreeableness of their temper and disposition. There was a crook in Job's lot by means of an undutiful, ill-natured wife, in Abigail's by means of a surly, ill-tempered husband, in Eli's through the perverseness and obstinacy of his children, in Jonathan's through the furious temper of his father. So do men oftentimes find their greatest cross where they expected their greatest comfort. Sin has unhinged the whole creation and made every relation susceptible of the crook. In the family are found masters hard, and unjust, servants froward and unfaithful. In a neighbourhood, <clears throat> men selfish and uneasy in the church, ministers unedifying and offensive in their walk, and people contemptuous and disorderly, 
a burden to the spirits of ministers in the state, magistrates oppressive, and discountenances of that which is good, and subjects turbulent and seditious, always cause crooks in the lot of their relatives, and thus far of the crook itself, or and thus far of the crook itself. I'm going to move on to uh, explore this. Um, theme of the crook uh, more in the next um, chapter or the next episode but I hope this has been a blessing to us we can see how uh, it's not unusual or indeed it's normal for all of us to suffer adversity in our lives sometimes severe adversity without any obvious explanation but all things come from God uh, on a personal note I know that I spent so many so much time in my Christian life looking for a trouble-free carefree existence and it just doesn't exist in this world I think that uh, Thomas Watson is uh, seeking to not only show us that this is our normal existence to take up our cross daily and follow the Lord Jesus Christ, but also that uh, we do best when we recognise this uh, and, and don't always um, spend our time striving to uh, find a perfect, uh, easy existence, but to accept the things that come to us from God and to seek him and to seek his grace and mercy for every circumstance. Well, by God's grace, I hope this has been a blessing to us and I look forward to the next chapter. Amen.